The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come, and set our hearts on fire with your love. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our gospel begins in Caesarea Philippi, a place of competing voices and power struggles, home to the shrine of Pan and the Roman gods, to powers and principalities. It's not a safe place to be a follower of Jesus. And this is where Jesus chooses to ask the question. Jesus asks, but who do you say I am? 
And the response given by Peter speaks to the identity of Jesus apart from all the other competing identities then and now. It's the same today. And the question, the question remains. As we answer that question today, our response, our testimony, binds us to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, forever setting us apart, forever calling us into our God-given gifts, into the building of the church, the church here, and the church universal, and into God's dream for the whole of creation. When Jesus asks the disciples, it's Peter who answers. Peter, in a revelatory moment, says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This is a response that Jesus knows has been given to Peter by the Father. Peter doesn't even know what kind of Messiah Jesus will be. In fact, only a few verses later, our scripture says, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. Peter just doesn't get it. And Jesus says some of the harshest words he says in our scripture. He says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Peter isn't sure what any of this truly means. We know that Jesus isn't responding to Peter's particular strengths and accomplishments as a disciple. He is as fallible as any of us. He is as lost as any of us. According to biblical scholar Jin S. Kim, this moment is really about his testimony. There is unspeakable power in his testimony. 2,000 years later, this still is the central question of our faith. Who do you say I am? Who is God made known in the person of Jesus Christ? It is actually a much older question than 2,000 years old. It's the most ancient question, tied to the promise given to Abraham and Sarah, tied to the salvation of the entire world. And we need to answer that question, each of us for ourselves. Who is Jesus? I believe we need to ask this question again and again in our lives. And while we may not understand everything, while we may only get it in bits and pieces over time, there is power and renewed purpose in your testimony. And whatever the answer is for you, consider what it means for this community, for the church universal. How do we, the body of Christ, use the gifts given to us to be the church, to be the access point of the coming of the kingdom of God? We are the embodiment of Jesus Christ in this world. It's up to us. As Teresa of Avila said, 
We are his heart and his feet and his hands and his voice in this world. In our reading from Romans today, we see that each of us, we have a unique purpose. Our Romans text says this, For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Your answers to this central question, who do you say I am, and your gifts are what make the church the church, and not even the gates of Hades will prevail against it. Peter, the rock, he became the foundation, the foundation we inherit. We are the future of the church. Our young people are the future of the church. You are the continuity of God's people over time. As theologian Charles Hambrick Stowe says, Jesus connects his church with the kingdom of God, the epicenter of the Father's answer to Jesus' prayer, that God's kingdom will come, that his will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's us. That's the church ushering in the kingdom of God. Last week, I took the central question, who do you say I am, to my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. I read the gospel in so many places. Yes, I did it. I read it to complete and utter strangers in airports, in Ubers, walking my sister's dog, and I had remarkable responses. And I want to share with you my experience of Michael, my Uber driver, on Thursday afternoon. I was in a place called the Little Red Door in downtown Indianapolis amidst the tall buildings and the hot pavement. It was about 95 degrees and about 95% humidity. It felt like breathing underwater. Michael, he pulled up in a Yukon. He was a big man, probably in his 30s, and he jumped out and offered to put the heavy boxes I had in his trunk. And as we drove off, I realized that he had all of the windows down. And I realized that he didn't have any air conditioning. And I don't know about you, but I've never been in an Uber without air conditioning when it's 95 degrees and 95% humidity. And I thought, Okay, here we go. I had just gotten off a red eye. When we got on the freeway, it was a veritable wind tunnel. My hair was literally like blowing in my face. <laughs> and we were shouting, and he shouted, You from here? And I said, Yeah, I'm, I'm from here, but I've been gone a long time. And he asked, where I lived. And I said, Los Angeles County. And he nodded and looked up in the rear view mirror. Michael asked why I was at the little red door, and I explained that my sister had cancer, 
and that we were so thankful for the work that they did for cancer patients. He asked immediately for my sister's name so that he could start praying right now. I thought a man who prays might be interested in the central question of our faith, right? I told him that I was preaching in a few days and wondered if he would listen to the gospel and share what stood out to him. And he said, oh, so you're a preacher. And I laughed and I said, yeah, I guess I am. And he nodded his head and he put his hands right at 10 and 2. And he was steady. He kind of steadied his shoulders and he looked up in the rearview mirror and then looked intently ahead. I could tell he was absolutely hanging on my every word. The wind was whipping through the back seat. So I read loudly, as you know I can, and I read intently, and then when I finished I asked him, if you were sitting here with Jesus right now, and Jesus asked you, who do you say that I am? What would you say? And traffic suddenly slowed, and the wind subsided, and there was a brief moment of silence. And Michael, he didn't miss a beat. He said, my king and my God. His response had such abandon. It was like a moment of revelation, maybe not so unlike Peter. Then he told me about his church, a big church called New Direction. He first went there, he said, to save his relationship and found that it was him who was saved in that place. And then he said, is there anything else that you're reading on Sunday? <laughs> so we read the Romans reading, and then I asked him, about the gifts that were given to him. And he spoke of the ways that he ministers to people every day in his Uber, asking people, how are you today? And actually wanting a real response. And what that does to people being asked, how are you? He told me that he loved his job and felt that God had found a way to use him to bring the love of Jesus to people from all walks of life. Michael had purpose. His life was saturated with meaning. As we reached my sister's house, he hopped out, carried the heavy, heavy boxes to the porch, and that big man he set them down ever so gently. He hugged me. I was a little surprised. And I prayed for him. I laid my hand on him and I asked God to continue to work mightily through him. As he walked away, I stopped him and I said, you know, you may not have air conditioning, but the Holy Spirit blows right through that car and you really don't need it. I said this was a divine appointment, my friend. And he smiled, the biggest smile, and he kept smiling as he pulled away from the front of my sister's house. 
I gave him the information for our live stream this morning, and I told him that I would quote him. So, Michael, if you're watching, hello from the good people at St. Edmund's Episcopal Church in San Marino, California. Thank you for your testimony, for your answer to the central question of our faith. There is great power in that testimony. We are reminded by you that we too must answer when Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? The future of the church depends on our answer. And we must. We must discern our gifts, those unique gifts that make us together and only together the church those gifts that prepare us to be part of God's dream for this world. And may the Spirit blow through this beautiful worship space today as it blew through that Uber on a hot Thursday afternoon in Indianapolis, Indiana. Amen.